Welcome to the Pilot Boys Podcast, where you'll get the real on all things sports, music, and pop culture. And here are your hosts, Vishwant and Partha. And we're back for our deep dive today. We are talking about marching to the beat of your own drum, a catchy title. Can't come up with uh, that uh, has been come up with by our little drummer boy V. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had the rhythm to play drums. I yeah, definitely me. don't. <laughs> I wish I had the rhythm to dance. I wish I had rhythm, period. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Such a great topic. Uh, the way that it originated was us talking about the the way that society kind of gives you these platitudes of like how to be and like there's there's always like i think it's like twitter wisdom if you want to call it that yeah you know? like uh you, you said it earlier it was like giving um with what giving unconditionally what is the phrase giving without expectation giving without expectation there's there's all sorts of like nebulous phrases that we're <laughs> laced with that's yeah. like you don't really know what they mean but like they're hammered into you by your parents or by religious sources or by your teachers and I think like there's a difference between like knowing something mentally and like realizing something like emotionally, you know? Yeah. And the reality is the reason that these platitudes exist is because most of, most of society isn't following them. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, they give you this guidebook of, Hey, this is how you're supposed to be. But then you look around you and your environment, what's directly impacting you're like, nobody fucking behaves this way. Everybody's selfish. You know what I mean? (laughs) And it's, uh, it's, uh, but it's like, like you said, it's like marching to the tune of your own drum, like that internal voice that tells you, this is how I'm supposed to be. This is mm-hmm. who I'm supposed to be. And this is what my nature is, um, becomes a challenge for a lot of people because it's it's difficult to, to, to kind of keep that mindset of, hey, I'm marching to my own drum. I'm doing what my internal voice tells me to do, not what everything around me is telling me. I should do. And it's, it's, it's a challenge. It's the reason these self-help books exist is because so many people are actually struggling um, with the reality of, of what these concepts, concepts kind of tell us. Yeah. I think that's, you know, that's a great jumping off point because I think the foundational assumption is that people think that there's a way for all humans to be. And what you said V is like the nuance is that everyone's wired differently. We all, are like in your body there's different cells each cell has its own purpose every individual has their own purpose within society so somebody is different from you that's not a bad thing that's actually exactly how they're supposed to be they're supposed to be different from you if they're identical to you then there's there's no reason to have two of you yeah i mean and you see this with some of the criticisms we see of like public figures right like we see all the criticism most prevalently now around Elon Musk and around Kanye West. And it's like, they are who they are, right? And there are positive attributes of them and negative attributes of them. And once you start evaluating people by the impact that they have on society and stop worrying so much about the personal traits and whether you like them or not, um, that also is helpful, right? Because if like what you were saying is that every human being has their own individual purpose and that person's purpose is not to be a reflection of you, but a reflection of who they are and what they're supposed to be and what, 
what the universe is expecting from them. And that might make you a little uncomfortable. That might make you say, well, I don't necessarily vibe with what they're saying, but to kind of take the emotion and the anger that you attach to disliking someone in the way that they are versus the way that you are as a part of this too, is just as important as you figuring yourself out and, and, and being true to who you are and what your internal voice is telling you to be consistently. Yeah, I agree completely. And I think that just the idea of an internal voice is important because everybody in their core knows what feels good to them and what doesn't feel good to them. And it's like your actions, certain ones feel good, certain ones don't feel good. And if you listen to the actions that feel good and just do the things that make you feel good internally, not externally, right? Not like the things that are pleasurable, the things that are like deeply positive for you in your heart i feel like you're at that point you're living your purpose like basically perfectly yeah yeah you are and it's like you know one of the things that's that i think is really hard for people who are who are givers by nature is like the amount of frustration that they face that everyone doesn't operate the same way that they do (laughs) right and even in how people tell them to be people that care about them tell them not to be that way you know you're going to be taken advantage of you're going to be this you're going to be that and it's like well that's naturally who i am and that's naturally how the world is it shouldn't necessarily make you say oh i need to be like everybody else because once you start saying you're going to be like everybody else then there's nothing that's making you different. There's nothing that's going to give you the opportunity to stand out in society, create value in society, create a place of positive energy and positive impact. If you're just behaving through the lens of like everybody else's bad behavior, you know, Um, but that's easier. Again, it's easier said than said than done because the other thing that human beings have is they have these brains up here that, that process emotions as well. And it's hard to remove, um, you know, unless unless you're the Dalai Lama, to remove emotions um, from how you process the events and how you process the way the world around you is responding to you. Yeah, I I agree completely. I think that the the big challenge people have is that they compare what they're going through or what their physical, you know, objective reality would be to others and i think that's like the first place that you'll you're gonna fall off in terms of finding happiness and like having a great life is that your life shouldn't look like anybody else's if somebody else does something and it works for them it doesn't mean that's the thing that's gonna work for you and i think you know just like we talk about this in sports all the time like you got to learn your game right and it's like Mm -hmm. one thing that really stood out to me watching this year's nfl draft was listening to a bunch of the coaches saying to the players I want you to be exactly who you are. Do not change you or your game at all when you get here. Come exactly yeah. as you. And I mean that it's so powerful that, you know, sports is always a little bit ahead of the curve, I feel like, because performance is so critical. Yep. And yep. so they learn these lessons in really meaningful ways. And I think like the rest of society could stand to realize this. It's like you have, you know, extremes politically ideologically in our society that are screaming for things to be the way that they think that things should be and the mm-hmm. reality is that when you look at true winners in society who are not usually very extreme in their views 
they say, I want everybody around me to be their best version of themselves. I don't want them to be who I want them to be. I want them to be who they are. And I think that it just shows that there is this kind of greater truth to, you know, happiness, joy, and ultimately like filling your role in society to the best of your abilities. That is non-conformist. It's not changing yourself to fit in with the masses. It's being exactly you and marching the beat of your own drum. And I feel like our media infrastructure, I feel like our education system, I feel like all of the things that we're reinforced with tell us the exact opposite, our religions, everything. Yeah, they do. And, and they, they, don't, they don't tell us, they don't give us a guidebook for how to process, um, process things, right? And that they tell you, they give you a whole bunch of rules and say, hey, this is how you're supposed to be. But the reality is, is that everybody isn't supposed to be the same as you, as you mentioned. And then how do you process, uh, process, process this? Because it does come, you know, everybody makes these claims too. We say it, you know, it's our, it's our tagline, be you, you know, um, be real, you know, be real. But the reality is, is that there's a price to pay for being those things. There's a price to pay for being you. And by being you, that means that you're not going to necessarily be understood by the world around you because you are being the true version of yourself and everybody else isn't going to understand who that person is. And your expectations that you set of everybody being able to understand you, to, you know, to gain acceptance, to, to, to be loved, whatever it is that you're looking for, a lot of times that may not happen when you're being your true self um, in the way that you would hope for, because in order to be embraced and accepted by everybody else, you do have to conform to this idea of universal beliefs. That's why religions and things like that work is they build uh, a cult around ideas and concepts of people who aren't even fully questioning, you know, um, those beliefs and those, they're, they're just basically, affiliating and joining and becoming like brainwashed in a way to believe um, in groupthink, to actually believe in the idea that groupthink is is the way that we should be thinking in society, that everybody should conform to a set of principles and thoughts. And now that's different than laws, right? People should conform to certain laws in terms of personal space and crime and all that stuff. But overall, that is the challenge, right? Is that we all as human beings are battling this this, na- this nature to conform and find our our tribe and find our people versus standing out and being yourself and the struggle and pain that that comes with um, throughout your life if that's what you're pursuing. And that's the part that I think isn't talked about in these kind of like platitudes. Everyone, it sounds good, but the reality is that to actually be that, you have to go through some shit, man. You yeah. do. I think there's this... Um... There's your animal side and there's your kind of human spiritual being side to you. And I think they, if, when they're an equal balance, I think that's a very great place to be. The, but the animal side of you is that pack animal. It's scared of being individual. It's scared that if it deviates from the pack, that it's not going to do well. I remember all of these, like, there's this, like, kind of, you know, relatively toxic culture uh, in masculinity of, how how you attract girls by being like a tribal leader in essence yeah. right and yeah. it's like that attracts that all of that 
type of living and operating works for anybody who has not accessed their humanity, who's still living in a, in, in a very animalistic way. Yeah. And I think when you do access your humanity, it's about letting go of all of the fears that come from being an animal and converting to love, which is, you know, the human way. And I think the, the bottom line of fear is don't be different. The bottom line of fear is don't, you know, don't draw attention to yourself. Or if you're going to do it, to do it in, you know, a very manipulative way, essentially, to get, get to what you want. And we do live in a society where there's a lot of people who operate like that. And I think when you're going through the transition of really accessing your humanity, it's very challenging to reconcile why people can operate like that and still find, you know, material success and, you know, get to where they're going when you may not be finding the same results, but you definitely can sense that you are operating in a much kinder way to people, a much gentler and, you know, more honest way to people. And I think that that's a big challenge of going through the process of like really finding your individuality is like, there will be a part of that journey where, you know, you're, you're not going to be necessarily thriving maybe in, in terms of what society measures in, uh, in your quote unquote success. Like people are going to think you're not doing that well as you go through that experience. Yeah, they definitely are. And then it's also a reflection because of, because of this kind of overall, like you said, the, the idea of animal instincts versus tapping into your humanity, right. And, tapping into your individualism and your individual identity, right? Um, and I think the, the biggest problem that I think happens in society, um, if you look at some of like the most spiritually awakened people that we know in our society, they're not really attached um, to people, you know? They're attached to a higher power. They're attached to whatever their spiritual goal is. Um, historically, and if you look in all these religious texts, every single one of those people would be fully comfortable being by themselves um, completely, right? Yeah. And that's something for human beings that we have we have to like disassociate. It's really hard to disassociate our needs um, and those animalistic needs for for all of those things, and then when you actually tap into that, you feel very uncomfortable with the fact that you are that comfortable, right? You get alienated and you're looked at like, what's wrong with that person? You know, why are they a loner? You know, like that is always like, what's wrong with being a loner? I've never understood that. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, nothing's wrong with it. That is part of the marching to your, to your own drum is understanding that people's judgments are more reflections of their fears as well like as you start to see a little bit more of how people operate over life as you get older i feel like you start to notice that when people project judgment it's really them saying hey i don't think that's okay is saying i'm afraid of doing that myself yeah yeah you have all these people who yeah i, I love like watching uh people argue about elon musk on twitter i think it's really hilarious and uh, it's hilarious how many grown men and women spend all of their day thinking about Elon. That's it's, it's hilarious. It's yeah. hilarious. And 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 the thing that's so funny is now he's bought the platform, so he's he's directly benefiting from all the time you spend talking about it. Yeah. So good or, good or bad, he wins. 
You know what's, what I mean? What's the argument here? Like, if you're bold enough to make a move, you should make the move, you know? And if you think, oh, man, like, he shouldn't do this or this person shouldn't do that, okay, then, you know, make a change in your life. Or, 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 or reframing the whole thought process of criticism, right? It's like, you know, a, a, a teacher told me this once when I was younger, and it always stuck with me. And it's like, why don't you, instead of focusing on what someone's doing wrong, why don't you focus on what it is that you want them to do right? And and make that suggestion as to, hey, Elon, I would like for you to do this with Twitter versus framing it with a negative and a criticism first. You know what I mean? Um, and that's that's the whole idea behind like this this idea of being what are your goals? What are your personal things that you're trying to do with the world and versus framing your relationships with everyone you interact with through the through this kind of transactional mindset um, which i think is very prevalent in society everything is a transaction everything is an exchange um and the and the truth about uh, about that is that you know when you get into that mindset you that's what leads to a lot of your your unhappiness and dissatisfaction because you're not always going to have positive transactions you're going to have negative transactions over overall but if you look at it and you you build kind of set of beliefs and virtues of this is how i'm going to behave and i'm going to interact with the world um and i'm not going to look at it transactions may occur as a result of my mindset and how i approach the world and where i'm trying to go but i'm not just thinking about how to get to the next transaction you know whether that's a financial transaction whether that's a personal interaction whether that's anything that you're not thinking um through a transactional mindset that's very important to kind of develop i agree it's like finding the ability within yourself to just take the ride you know stop comparing to people stop racing to the end of the journey and just like sit sit in your body sit in your you know life and just like take the ride i was talking to somebody last night at a party and um i was talking to them about this idea of living in a state of love and you know in la i think people get a little bit jaded because it can be very materialistic it can be filled with people who are chasing clouds yeah. or pain, whatever yeah. and yeah. this person i think was feeling pretty jaded at the time they were like well how can you even talk about living in love because it's not like you or I are doing that. We haven't renounced our possessions. We haven't given everything up. And I think there's this misconception that living with love means not loving yourself, at least from that perspective, right? Or at least like disregarding a lot of things. And and also the fact that it should be an extreme. Like why should it be an extreme to live with love? Like there's many roles in society. There's many different individuals. Everybody has a different purpose. Why should one person's living in love look like somebody else's living in love? And why should it be judged based on what it looks like rather than by how the person feels in that state? Right. And I just thought it was really interesting that um, the perspective on, you know, spiritual enlightenment, awakening, you know, mental peace is very, very much affected by the visuals of it, but not the consideration is not what's happening inside of that person. Yeah. So you you bring up a good point. I want to ask you a question because I think you're, 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 you know, you do a pretty good, good job of this is um, how do you, 
disconnect, you know, and this is a question everybody has is how do you dis disconnect expectations from how you behave, right? Whether it's the expectations of people you value, the expectations of your business, of your shareholders, how do you kind of disconnect um, from kind of the, the, the responsibility and obligation that that comes with, which is you're serving what other people want from you. You have to do that to a degree in society. How do you disconnect that from how you operate as a person and a human being? Dude, that's like such a, it's such an interesting thing that you're saying, because I think I was primarily governed by everybody else's expectations up until a recent point in my life. Yeah. And I think many of us are governed by the outside world's expectations of us. And we, we feel pressure, you know, somebody telling me, Oh, you need to be at this level of success already. You need to be doing this already. Or like, if I were you, I would be upset that I'm not doing this. You know, like I've had folks who say, you know, like Partha, if, if I were you, I would be pissed right now. I should, you shouldn't be able to sleep well at night. And it's like, why, you know, yeah. why, yeah. Like, why shouldn't I be able to sleep well at night? Like, doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I, I feel like you can be happy and, you know, kind of take your road as well. But I think there's first like there's you have to create the acknowledgement that like other people's opinions of you and like where things should or shouldn't be aren't necessarily relevant at all because they're not living your life. And so if somebody feels that you should be doing X, Y, Z, it just means to me that they phrase the question as a statement. And the question yes. is, hey, I in my understanding, this is how things play out, but I'm watching you do it and it hasn't played out that way. Why is that? Why is that happening? Why is yeah. that different from how I think it should be? Right. It's just, it's people's inability to voice what, what they're experiencing as well. Right. So that's, that's to me what expectation is on the whole. Then I think the other side of it is that there is no, there is no, expectation or reality there is no future or past there's just this moment and so if i'm focused on where i'm trying to go to an extent that that's affecting my ability to live in the present moment then i'm doing myself a disservice in terms of how i'm able to utilize my energy in this current moment but if i focus all of my energy right now on finding an extremely positive and loving mental state that I could sit I could sit still and you know be laughing because I'm so happy inside and joyous inside if I find that place within myself everything else comes on its own and that's what I've experienced in life and so yeah I mean people can feel a lot of ways about what I do or don't do there's a lot of people who have opinions about what I do on social, what I do, you know, when I meet people, what do I wear? People, everyone has an opinion on everything. And for a long time, I think I was a slave to other people's opinions. And then after you break out of that, then people become a slave to your actions. And I think that's where it flips is that other people's opinions can either control you or they can control them and you yeah. don't have to let them control you. Yeah. I think that's, that's, that's very well, very well put. And I think there's, there's a point too that I think there's a lot of pressure um, that's that are put on people who are marching to the tune of their own drum, right? Like 
they deal like we talk about Elon. He's constantly, regardless of how big he is or small he is, he's constantly seeing and dealing with the feedback and pressure. Um, and, you know, there are certain things, I think, also with human beings that it's really hard when you are a, um, a giving person or a certain type of person uh, to disappoint people um, that have expectations of you, right? Um, and sometimes it's like, it's not that you feel like you're doing, you know that you're doing the right thing. You separate that from the emotional aspect of it does suck that you're disappointing so many people as a result of you pursuing what, what is best for you, right? That's, a, that's, a, that's generally a, a, a challenge for anybody who is an empathetic human being. Yeah. Well, I think it's also like if someone else's actions affect your mental state, you must be mentally ill. That's how I feel about it. You have an illness. If Elon buying Twitter affects your happiness, you have a problem that you have to figure out because he did something that doesn't affect you at all. It may yeah. affect the construct of society that we live in because that's a very complex thing that we're all involved in but it doesn't affect your ability to be happy. Right. And it's like, I've always felt like this. If somebody, you know, had an opinion on the choices I've made in my life. Oh, I feel like you should have done this. I feel like you should have done this. Okay. But if you're thinking about that, I'm not, you know, I'm right now, I'm right here. And if it's affecting your mental state, what I did with my life or what I, whatever I choose, you have a problem and you should probably see somebody about it. Like that's, how, that's how I, you know, genuinely feel. And like, it is what it is, right? Like there's folks that you just kind of, you see that they struggle with their own minds more than anything else. And it, to me, it's like, it's like sad. It's sad when you see people who, you know, they see somebody else doing something that they don't understand and it affects their mental state to such a strong degree. Like that's genuinely one of the saddest things in society. Well, the hard thing, the hard thing for people to do is, is recognize that this isn't a healthy relationship, right? It's not, mm -hmm. if your relationship with the social networks that you're on isn't a healthy one and you're constantly putting out negative energy or your relationship with that is you're on there constantly criticizing what other people are doing and looking for those critiques, like you said, that's a you problem. That's mm -hmm. not a society's problem. And But the problem that people have is that they don't recognize it and then they can't disconnect themselves actually disconnect themselves from something that is causing more harm than it is good for them yeah. right like you know the thing about this thing my relationship with social media is actually a positive one because i seek out positive reinforcement right it yeah. is all about what you're looking for and like you said you there's so much untreated unhappiness right in this country and people don't know how to process the reasons why they're unhappy. Uh, they don't want to do the work to try to fix it. You know, for me, it's not even about happiness or sadness. And I've said this to you many times, it's about finding peace and accepting, trying to figure out a way to accept myself for who I am and finding a way to accept everybody else around me that I interact with in the world around me for who they are. You know, yeah. th there are going to be things that I don't like about people, there are going to be things I've accepted that. Like I used to think, okay, I have to figure out a way to not dislike anybody. You yeah. know, that's almost robotic. The opposite way. Yeah. It's almost like you're you're depriving yourself of the ability to experience emotion at that stage. Yeah, you are. That's yeah. extreme. You know, 
The difference is that recognizing that you don't like something and disconnecting from it, right? Yeah. That's that's the important step. It's not about not disliking something or disliking someone's personality. Like, you know, I don't care for some so, some people, but I can disconnect attributes. That's what I figured. Okay, I don't like Kanye's all of Kanye's rants on social media. I listen to his music. You know what I mean? And I don't like that was really starting to impact how I viewed the artist because yeah. I was seeing all this stuff that was like a negative reinforcement of of characteristics and attributes of people. I'm like, wait a second. I have to focus on and disconnect from things that I don't like because what am I gaining from that? What yeah. am I gaining from disliking Kanye? And yeah. talking about I don't like him or I don't I don't like how he behaves. It's like what am I actually extracting? from a value standpoint there absolutely nothing yeah you know yeah. and that it's well said it's the hardest it's the hardest thing because we're wired to kind of be programmed to see right and wrong and to look through these things and then if we see something we don't like say something and it's like i'm happy that elon bought twitter but like one of my biggest issues with twitter and why i'm not frequent on there i'll go on there and i'll tweet storm is that you can't control what is coming out. You see things that you don't want to see. You know what I mean? Yeah, because it'll serve you. This person liked this tweet. This person liked this tweet. And then you start to get pulled into controversy. You get pulled into controversy that you don't even really, if you didn't get on the platform, you wouldn't have spent any time even engaging in. And I find myself getting in into kind of these these situations, specifically when I interact with the platform. And it's like, I have learned to accept the the pitfalls of not being active through the mediums of, of communication that everybody else or the majority of the world is communicating through. You are going to suffer some sort of loss if you are measuring yourself through those channels. I don't care that I don't have 50,000 Instagram followers. I don't care that I don't have them the people who are meant to follow me are meant to follow me right i'm not going out there seeking seeking that but i also understand that that's something that i've had to i have to control and actively control is the urge to not align with those metrics because those are the metrics that people are telling you are what's valued yeah. and that's a really hard hard thing to process as a human being is to be told, hey, you shouldn't value those things. You shouldn't care about your followers. You shouldn't care. It's like getting to that point is really, really hard. So that's why I sympathize with the reality that most people face and the, the dynamic, the mental health issues that are being created as a result of needing that and being told that that's what you're supposed to value yeah. and having to actually basically tell yourself that what everybody is telling me i should value is not what i should value yeah and you just have to choose what you value for yourself yeah from scratch you got to build it from scratch build your own value system build your own beliefs and i want to add to what you said the the pursuit of followers is very similar to the pursuit of money let's imagine money was just seashells or stones right and let's imagine followers is you know something else. All let's imagine all your food is taken care of, your shelter is taken care of, all your basic needs are taken care of, so you can live a beautiful life without ever accruing money. Okay, so 
if you come to this earth and live a full lifetime and all you do is spend it accumulating one thing just so you can have more of it than someone else, does that sound like a meaningful life? You know what I mean? Like that's, that's how I see most of society is most of it is rock collectors. It's people running around saying, I need to grab as much of this stuff as possible. For what purpose? That You just hit the nail on the head right there. You know, so many people are seeking answers, but they're not asking the right questions. Mm-hmm. And we're trained to never ask that question, right? Mm-hmm. Because before you even are able to ask yourself, like, what is the meaning of money? How much should I value money or not? From the moment you're born, you're seeing the impact of financial transactions. You're seeing and visibly seeing what money can buy and what doesn't. Like, you're not even asking yourself before you have the interaction or the action with that, you're you're never even asking that question first. You're yeah. not trained to ask that question first. As a matter of fact, you're told what your relationship is supposed to be with these things before you process what it is my personal relationship should be with it. Yeah. It's such a weird dynamic. Such it's incredibly weird. strange. And it's it's, I think, one of the bigger misconceptions in society is like the way that we view and value money because if you look at most of the most of the you know books you can read about money we'll compare money to energy and money is really it's a piece of paper that we've imbued with value so for all of us it's essentially the way that we transfer value to each other and that's an intention thing that's like hey like this is worth this much to me right and that's how we dictate our priorities. That's how we make our decisions. But if you take away ego out of your life, if you take away greed, if you take away pride, if you take away selfishness, if you take away all the things that you know most religions consider to be sinning or like animalistic or selfish, the things that you don't do the thing that we talked about earlier that like make you feel good inside, if you take away all the stuff that doesn't make you feel good and you only do the things that make you feel good, life's not that expensive. It's actually incredibly cheap. It only gets expensive when the things that make you feel good are are where the things that you're spending money on or the things that you're pursuing are for the sake of essentially like this idea of separation. Like you are trying to compete with somebody else on something. But if you see the whole thing as one, you break the illusion of separation, then what is money for? What is yeah. the and there isn't one genuinely that's that, that you know brings the conversation to 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 kind of where we started right like most people are buying things um to show some value to the other world of themselves yeah right versus the idea of if you know and 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 disconnecting from from the guilt um of doing things and buying things for your own personal satisfaction right it's not it's, it's what fashion labels are built on, right? The reason that people buy Gucci and Louis Vuitton, I don't care what anyone says, 99% of the reason that people buy those brands is to tell everyone else that they have that brand, that they own that brand. There is a 1% of population that just appreciates quality, but there's a reason why when you buy these products, their names are monogrammed everywhere, their logos are monogrammed everywhere, because what you are doing is you're sending a signal to the rest of the world. That's what you're doing doing it for. And I don't think we ever really question why that's such a damaging and dangerous thing for human society for that to be the case. But the contrast is this, that you have to function in the world that you 
you live in. And there are certain decisions that people I think make who have a healthy relationship with that. You know, we, I read an article about most of the, the designer stuff that Rick Ross buys is fake. He doesn't, he doesn't actually buy it, but he knows that that is the perception that society wants of him. So he gives them the perception that they want. And it's like, it raises the question of why is that even that, like, why does he, the fact that he is, he feels the need to have to do that versus just saying, I'm Rick Ross. I don't, I'm not going to wear Louis. I'm, I'm going to wear, I'm going to wear unbranded clothes is an interesting one in itself. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's, it, there's layers to this. Even the people who are like disconnected from it, there's a value attached to it because to extract value, to create value in the marketplace, if you're an entrepreneur and get consumption or get people to tap in, it's like, you have to tap into the society, the psychology of society, right? Like yeah. even, even for us within, within Lasso, we found that like just the brand argument that the technical argument is like a full stop, right? The sock is better for your health and wellness than any other sock. That's not enough for people, yeah. right? You have to figure out ways to actually convince people by going around that fact to buy into the value proposition of improvement, you know? Yeah. And that, you know, that's the funny part about our society is that there's a lot you have to solve for and how people make decisions. But from a personal happiness standpoint, I think like there's one there's one layer beyond where Rick Ross is at that I think is like the ultimate place to get to, but it requires like tremendous self confidence and like you you can't really have any insecurities to get there. It's where you wear whatever the fuck you want. You're just yeah. way off course, right? And you can you just do what you feel is true to you. It, you yeah, and you disconnect, you know, and it it, it actually improves your mental function, right? Yeah. Like the the great example is Steve Jobs not having to. He didn't want to have to think about what I want to wear. He's like, I'm just going to wear a black t shirt and blue jeans every day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and to a degree, you know, we were having a conversation about this yesterday. Kevin Durant and his hair. There are millions of memes about his hair and his haircut, and he just doesn't care. You know, yeah. I mean, it's not something that he wants to put brain function toward and he doesn't care what everybody else thinks about him and everybody is going to have an opinion about yeah. it, but it doesn't, it doesn't really matter because it doesn't matter to him. Yeah, yeah. it is what it is. Right. And the, the other thing too, is like, pick, pick the things that you, you enjoy about life, right? Like if, if you like getting haircuts, get haircuts. If you like <laughs> yeah. dress a certain way, dress a certain way. Like, do the things that are true to you. Yeah. Prioritize what, what you value based on what you value, not what you think other people want you to value. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's a hard, hard, hard thing to do, though. It sounds so good, just like a lot of things do, but it's really, <laughs> really hard because of the 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 triggers that you're constantly facing to behave outside of that kind of simple truth. And you know what else, what else is interesting, like about like the Rick Ross story you just mentioned, like imagine if he did get bold enough to say, fuck this stuff, I'm going to dress how I want to dress and nothing anyone else says is going to affect me. Yeah. I would bet his income would go up. I would bet his earnings go up. I would bet the circles he gets into drastically change because of the level of authenticity he would admit he's already an incredibly authentic dude yep yep and that's that's the that is the hack here 
right? It's really, really hard. They they train you to think that that there's a huge price to authenticity, to being real, to being true to yourself. But the reality is if you stick with it and and you really do emit authenticity consistently over a period of time, the universe will reward you for that authenticity and society will reward you for that authenticity. It might not happen along the timeline that you want it to happen, but I guarantee that it does happen because that is really how most of these stories um, outlandish and extreme success stories are created. It's by people who really did not um, attest to society's views and 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 really march to the beat of their own drum, their own yeah. rhythm. You know, in a full f- of people dancing the exact same way, they're dancing completely off beat, and it's it's not what worth said is what you should do, but it is how you win. You yeah. Know? I agree. And I heard this thing about ego is that ego really should be like a shadow and like your shadow changes based on where the light is. I remember at a younger age, I used to be more rebellious in what I would wear. And I would always try to wear something that broke the dress code. That was like really important to me. And that in itself was a, a limiting way to live because I was sacrificing a level of authenticity for the sake of standing out, which is something that was really important to me at the time. And you know, if, if I was really, if I had really removed my ego from the situation, wearing a black tie to a black tie event is not a hard thing to do. You know, dressing for the circumstance is a totally fine thing to do. And it's actually very challenging for a lot of people because you have to pull your ego out of the conversation and just honor the event you're going to honor the circumstance you're stepping into. And that in itself is, you know, that's hard. Uh, look, I agree, I pretty much I agree with you overall, right? But there is this idea that um, unless, and I, I'll add a caveat to what you said, unless it's going to make you uncomfortable and yeah. not and and it prevent you from being your authentic self, right? Yeah. Part the reason that I don't necessarily like wearing a suit and tie is not about not liking a suit and tie. I like the way I look in a suit and tie. They're nice pieces of clothing. It's typically the psychology of the environments that I'm going into as a result of having to wear that piece of clothing and and the, the type of circumstances that I'm going to be involved with. So if you don't like wearing a black tie, just don't go to the black tie event. Right? That's, yeah, that's the other alternative too. Yeah, just don't go. If it's not something that you're comfortable, it's not the crowd or not the energy that you want don't go. But there are other circumstances in which you realize, hey, I'm going to do this in business meetings sometimes. It's like, I want to make sure from the very moment that I go into this meeting that these people know what my energy is and what I represent. I'm not adjusting to their energy. And it's important to separate that from business. And in your personal is it's like, there's a difference between what you're saying and not being your true authentic self, right? Like forcing people to, if you're not someone who ever wears a suit and tie and doesn't like a suit and tie, don't wear that suit and tie just because that's the environment and that's what everyone else is doing. Just don't go to those environments. Or wear your version of it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Wear, wear a suit without a tie if that's that's yeah. what you want to do. You know what I mean? Or put a sweater underneath it. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. It looks good. I think, yeah, I think that's, that's a really important piece. Some, there's also like, you know, we could go forever on dress code. Maybe that's a different deep dive. But um, there's a lot of rules that have been constructed in society that 
that have been created to kind of make people all be the same. And so there's situations like I think individuality can still be expressed at a black tie event. Maybe that's pocket square. Maybe it's the type of tie you wear. Maybe it's, you know, the patterning, the textures you choose to wear. There's like a lot of layers to it. There's, you know, headwear. There's, you know, the way that you cut something, the way it fits on you. So there's a lot of layers even within that to express individuality. But, you know, one thing one thing I realized is like I used to be a member of this uh, country club and they wouldn't allow ripped jeans. And I got in trouble for that a few times because I would just wear ripped jeans. It's just what you wear. I feel like, you know, they were very trending in style. It was hard to buy jeans at the time that were not ripped. And so. I was just like, why is this a rule? And I realized this is in Atlanta. I realized it's because they didn't want black people in there. Yeah. You know, that's where the rule came from. And there were several rules like that, you know, that were racist in their nature. And so, you know, ultimately I just left the club and that was the right call for me. I was around the wrong people. It wasn't like, it wasn't like the dress code was wrong. It was like the dress code was a symbol of the type of people they wanted in there. Which- that Exactly. 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 That those are the areas where I think yeah, I agree with you. I think that there's there's um, people kind of like mark their values with the way that they set up events sometimes. Uh, but you know, kind of the broader comment is that you shouldn't feel like the situation um, it, it it shouldn't really like affect what what you you are or who you are when you go in. You should feel the freedom to be yourself. But at the same time, like there sometimes is ego we can carry into a situation where we want to be so different or want to be so cool. And I think you see this a lot with young people in terms of how they dress, going to parties or going to events. And like, I think about this a lot in LA, like the, the female dress code, like these girls are, you know, very near naked most of the time. And I, I don't understand it. I think it's, it's weird. And I just, it's never resonated with me. I always felt like it was, it was like, you're, you're kind of missing the point. Like we're not, we're not trying to do that. Like, I feel like we're, we're people first. Like, I don't really care what you look like physically. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is like you said, this is a whole nother subject matter, right? (laughs) Like we should do an episode on, on dressing and dress code and the idea of identity that's created through how you dress. But at the end of the day, I think true, um, true identity is through expressing, you know, what your energy is through your clothing. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if if you don't want to be, you know, there are people who are hypersexual in this world. Right. And if that's who you are, then fine. Dress half naked all the time. You know what I mean? And yeah. and if that's what you're trying to attract is that type of attention, you know, there's be you. But the, the issue comes in when when that's not the type of attention you want to attract, but you're conforming to kind of society standards because you're like, oh, this is what's going to attract the world around me is by being, you know, less dressed or, or expressing my sexuality versus that actually being true to who you are. I want to make that point, right? Like it, there are people and and I don't want to dismiss the idea of people who are, you know, if that's who you are, if you're a hypersexual individual, then, you know, express that through your clothing, do it by all means. But if that's not who you want to be, you're going to go through a lot of process of frustration when that's how you're received based on that decision that you make. Yeah, well Just said. something you have to put, put thought into. Well said. And, you know, I think that that starts to wind this thing down. You know, the big thing I like think back to college, like I wanted to be like everybody else so badly when I was a kid. And 
it was it was a really big learning lesson as I aged to realize like the reason you know I wasn't doing the same things as some of my peers was just because I was a very different type of person and you know a very unique type of person and as I've aged I found a lot of peace in that journey and I think it's it's an evolution to learn to find your lane for yourself and just be who you are and be comfortable you know, in solitude at times, sometimes who you are means you're not going to get invited to the event or you're not going to have fun at the event you got invited to. So maybe it's not the event you want to go to. Right. Leave. Leave. Right. Like you don't put yourself, don't consistently put yourself in environments that you don't want to be in and they're going to make you uncomfortable. Yeah. Fitting in is overrated. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's the title of this, of this deep dive. Fitting in is overrated. Yeah. It is overrated. It yeah. is overrated, but not fitting in is very lonely. Yeah. You know? So yeah. <laughs> that's that's it's, the contrast, you it's know. And lonely, it's hard. lonely till it's not. Yeah. You know? Lonely till it's not. It's, yeah, it's lonely until you figure out that it is the best place to be. You know? Yeah. Yeah. In on that note, I think um, you know, if if you're listening, I would love to hear the ways in which you've learned to be march to the beat of your own drum in your life and you know share i mean share some of those experiences whether that's on tiktok or twitter with us instagram with us like leave us a comment maybe if you feel confident enough post your story and tag us we'll repost you for sure tag the pilot boys page but you know i I would love to learn more about you know some of our audience and you know what you guys go through regarding this definitely definitely on that note, we wrap another long, winding, deep dive. And on this one, was uh, there's a lot to unpack here. So I understood why it kind of went over all over the place. I hope that the, the topics um, were relevant to you and, and, and you were able to gain some, some value out of it as always. So on that note, just stay moving. Keep marching toward a North Star um, and be you. Yeah. You as well. Pilot boys out. Pilot boys, we get on the- Fly boys, we get on up.